if you'd like to stand and welcome him in this place. like a skeleton crew this morning, aren't we? <laughs> um, but good morning. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your care and your protection. Father, as I see that Ron's gone today, I ask you to bless him and care for his needs, Lord, if he's sick. And Lord, the other people that are, have not um, come here to our little family, Sally, Lord, touch her, and uh, the other ones that have not yet come. We just ask you to bless them, keep them, let your face shine upon them, and Lord, give us your grace and mercy today, we pray. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. And you know what? I always tell you how amazed how this devotion that I get to share with you every Sunday, how it is um, spot on. This morning I got a call that a friend of mine's brother had passed away. And I thought, okay, I've gone through that. So I was able to talk with her and encourage her, comforting one another. Comfort each other and edify one another. First Thessalonians 5.11. It is an undeniable fact that usually those who have suffered the most are best able to comfort others who are passing, passing through suffering. They know what it is like to suffer, and they understand more than others what the suffering person is experiencing, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. They are able to empathize as well as sympathize with the afflictions of others because of what they have experienced in their own lives. Our sufferings may be rough and hard to bear, but they teach us lessons that in turn can equip us and enable us to help others. Our attitude towards suffering should not be grit your teeth and bear it, hoping it will pass as quickly as possible, but rather our goal should be to learn all we can from what we are experiencing and called to endure so that we can in turn comfort each other and edify one another. And the hope for today, as bad as our suffering may seem, it would be far worse if it were in vain. Ask God to reveal ways in your trials so that you can comfort others and glorify him. And with that, let's praise our Lord. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. 
If you'd like to stand and join us, I will bless the Lord. <coughs> then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. I will bless the Lord. I of praise this morning. Testament in chapter 16 of Psalms. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, 
For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you will stand with me, we can do the say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our New Testament scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were taking, talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people! You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Amos, and at the end, at the end of their journey. Jesus as if he acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. 
Then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, where they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was taking the bread. If you'll join me in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the head. He throws in and throws again, and 40 days later ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, creator of all, owner of the universe, Lord, that you let us be here, become, become part of your family, able to worship you, to come to you in prayer, to be our savior, Lord, we, we praise and worship you for all those things. And you do call on us to give back, to share back the things that we have so that others may come to know you. So Lord, we ask that the gifts we give today have, have your blessing and that we use them wisely in your name. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Nowhere in Scripture does Peter beg for forgiveness from Mary, but uh, we'll, we'll forgive Mel for trying to embrace the Catholics. Dying to self is painful, but if we truly desire to follow Jesus, we must embrace that death. Why did Jesus allow Peter to suffer this failure, this denial? We must realize that until we come to the end of ourselves, we can do nothing for God. To quote Brennan Manning, anyone who is significantly used by God is almost always wounded deeply. Did you know that Peter's wife was crucified? Eusebius, one of the early church fathers, records that Peter and his wife were crucified in Rome. Peter's wife was one of the few women in the New Testament to be martyred, let alone crucified. The Romans had no mercy. Peter's last words to his wife were, Remember the Lord. But for most of us, the deepest wounds we will ever suffer are those we inflict on ourselves. And how do we deal with that? How do we cope? It's simple. We blame other people. We are our own 
worst enemy. In the Lord's Prayer, the message translates, lead us not into temptation as keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will rest your Holy Spirit on each and every soul here this morning, that you will open our ears, open our eyes, that we may comprehend this gospel of second chances. Father, we ask that you will redeem our hearts and minds daily to your grace and mercy, that we may shine your glory, share our faith, and illuminate this dark world. Bless every word, Father, for the glory of your great name and the exhortation of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gospel of Second Chances, our text this morning is John 21. Verses 15 through 19. Show slide one if you don't have that. Thank you. I'd like to give you a little backstory this morning of our text. It's Holy Thursday, the Last Supper, the night before Jesus will be crucified. He is celebrating Passover with his disciples. And the disciples have no clue that this is the fateful evening that Jesus will be torn from them. We pick up the story in Matthew 26. Slide 2, please. Verses 29 through 35 from the NLT. Jesus speaking. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. What hymn do you think they sang? Psalms 113 through 118 called the Hallel. These were songs that praised God for his deliverance of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 31, on the way to the Mount of Olives, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And note this, and all the other disciples vowed the same. And at the cross, how many of these disciples were present? Uno. Only John the Beloved. The story of Peter's denial is an excellent example of the gospel of second chances. Why? Because it's so relatable. Because Peter is so relatable. I think we can all identify with Peter. He was pathetically human, just like us. 
Peter had no filters. He spoke without thinking. He was rash and impulsive. He was a steaming hot mess, just like you and me. But we admire his passion, all of that bravado, all gas and no brakes, a risk taker. He was courageous to a flaw, completely courageous until he saw his Jesus in chains being led away to his execution. Peter believed Jesus was the Messiah, but like the rest of the disciples and indeed most of Israel, he still clung to the popular idea that Messiah would be a conquering hero like King David. So for Peter to see his Messiah beaten and led away in chains, chaos replaced promise and fear replaced reason. When Jesus was by his side, Peter was all too happy to grab a sword and lop off the ear of the enemy. But now his captain has been taken captive, beaten and hauled off in chains. Now Peter's world is upended. The battle is lost. We often wonder why Peter failed so miserably. Why did he deny Christ once, let alone three times? Why did Jesus allow Peter to fail so miserably? The answer to that question may scare you. It may keep you up at night. Slide three, please. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 from the NIV in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make Jesus the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. From the Amplified, Jesus' suffering brought to maturity the human experience necessary for him to be perfectly equipped for his office as our high priest. Jesus, the God-man, the God in the God-man was completely perfect. But scripture says the man in the God-man, Father God decided that part of the God-man needed to be perfected through suffering. And since God chose to make Jesus perfect through suffering, why would we think he will not do the same for us? Anyone who is significantly used by God is almost always wounded deeply. Have you been wounded deeply? Perhaps even wounded deeply here in the family of God we call church. This is very important. We need to grasp this. The church, the family of God, is like any other family. The family of God has all the warts and freckles, the scars and disfigurements, the bad attitudes and nastiness of any other family. Just as many problems. Why? Because we're human. Pathetically, irreversibly human. And why would we ever think that church, this church or any other church, should be heaven on earth? Oh, it should be. It can be. But that's all up to us. 
It's all a matter of how close we are willing to follow the Lord Jesus. There's a rabbinical blessing that the Jews still use today. It is a blessing that's conferred on rabbinical students. And it goes like this. May the dust of your rabbi be found all over you. Think about it. In dusty Israel, if you followed someone closely, the dust from their sandals would kick up all over you. God grant it be so. May the dust of our master be found all over us. But let's go back to uh, Resurrection Sunday. In the Gospel of Mark, a group of women go to Jesus' tomb to anoint his body with spices, but are, are encountered by an angel that tells them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. To quote Max Licato from his wonderful book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior. What a line. Go tell his disciples, including Peter. It's as if all of heaven had watched Peter fall. And as if all of heaven wanted to help him back up again. No wonder they call it the gospel of second chances. John 20, verses 19 through 21. That evening, Jesus appears to his disciples who were hiding, including Cleopas and the other disciple. And Jesus says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Note, we don't know for a fact that Peter was not there. Scripture doesn't say. It does say Peter, or excuse me, Thomas was not there. But I'm thinking Peter was absent also. Why? Because Jesus had already appeared to Peter earlier in the day. And therefore, I think Peter was also absent because he was still sulking in his shame. And he can't be to bear, he can't bear to be around those who know about his denial. I've been Peter. I've walked away from Jesus. I've denied his call on my life and went my own way. And while I was running, the last thing I wanted to do was be around believers. The last thing I wanted was somebody encouraging me to change my ways. During Jesus' crucifixion, all the disciples were hiding except John. But even so, none of the other disciples denied Jesus, except Peter. Not even Judas denied Jesus. But denial and betrayal are often the same thing. So what's the difference between Peter and Judas? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all the Gospels except John, record that Peter's denial, after his denial, he went out and wept bitterly. For all we know, Judas wept bitterly. But to be sorry for your sins is not repentance. Repentance means you turn around and go the opposite direction. You turn from your sin and you follow Jesus. Judas did not repent. Peter did. 
We know Peter encountered Christ on Resurrection Sunday, but somehow the encounter is not significant enough to be recorded in Scripture. Why? My thought is this. Peter is totally consumed by his guilt. And the Scriptures don't waste our time talking about guilt. They focus on redemption. Peter has done what Judas did. He has isolated himself from the other disciples because he is crushed by the weight of his betrayal. So desperate is Peter's struggle that Jesus knows he needs to encounter Peter one-on-one -on -one and encourage him. Why do I think this? 1 Corinthians 15.4 Jesus was seen by Peter, then the twelve. This indicates Jesus encounters Peter alone. We know Peter tells others of his encounter with Jesus, but it doesn't seem he's willing to allow his fellow disciples to come alongside and encourage him, to console him, and bear his burden. So many Christians make the same critical mistake. We don't confess our sins one to another. We don't allow people to come alongside us and help bear our burdens. We want to play the Lone Ranger. Muy macho. I think Peter is standing at the same cliff that Judas did. I think Peter is so low that suicide is an option. He's staring down into the same abyss that Judas did. And he feels he has only two options. Either you jump to your death or you beg for forgiveness. Slide four. John 21, 1 through 8. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. When you don't know what else to do, you go fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Slide five. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat. You'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. You would have thought they would all have been thinking, this has happened before. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. Riddle me this. When Jesus calls from the shore, have you caught any fish? You would think Peter would have been the first one to recognize that voice. Why did John have to tell him, Peter, it's the Lord? Because Peter is still lost in his despair consumed by his grief. Is that us this morning? Are we so deep in despair, so deep in worry that we can't 
hear the voice of Jesus. He's calling to you, I promise. And you're saying to yourself, God doesn't care about me. He's too busy running the cosmos. You're saying, I've failed God so many times, he's taken my name off his Rolodex. Maybe it's been so long since you called Jesus that Rolodexes were still in use. In this, in this case, it's a God thing you're here this morning. Because the message about the God of second chances is exactly what you need to hear. We've all been Peter. We've all been on the sea of despair in a boat named Hopeless. To quote Eugene Peterson, It is of course far easier to languish in despair than to live in hope. For when we live in despair, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to risk anything. We've all been lost in despair, totally self-absorbed, worried, depressed, convinced that nothing in our lives will ever work out again. And just like Peter, we say, I don't know what to do, so I'm going fishing. Then Jesus appears on the shore, but we're oblivious, lost in our despair and worry. And then a friend taps us on the shoulder. Hey, wake up. It's Jesus. That's Jesus calling. And by the grace of God's Holy Spirit, we are encouraged to jump in the water and swim to the shore. And guess what? He's the same Jesus you knew before. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So go ahead. Fall at his feet. Confess your sin. Slide six. John 21, 15 through 19. Jesus asks, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus uses the word agapeo, which means, do you love me the way the Father loves? Do you love me with divine love? But Peter answers with a less emphatic word, phileo, meaning, Lord, I love you as a brother. So Jesus asks the question again, and Peter answers the same. Peter is thinking, I can't tell Jesus I love him with agape love, because I don't understand divine love. I don't understand the love of God. I don't have a hook big enough to hang that hat on. The third time Jesus asks Peter, do you love me with phileo love? Do you even love me as a friend? And Peter answers, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. This is how you answer God when your life is in shambles. This is how you answer God when you're standing on the edge of the abyss, looking over the edge at the chasm of your failures. You answer, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I trust you. Help me trust you more. Then Jesus offers Peter a threefold commission to be the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus gives Peter a threefold forgiveness and a threefold restoration. Jesus is saying, Peter, now that you are completely broken, now that you are crushed to fine powder, now that your self-reliance is gone, now 
you're ready to be the man I've called you to be. Let me point something out to us this morning. If you desire to be a leader in the church, humility is not an option. It's a requirement. Like Peter, we have nothing to offer Jesus but a humble yes. And bless God, that's all he asks of us. And then he tells us, follow me. In closing, I want to leave you with this from Max Lucado. Not many second chances exist in the world today. But with Jesus, you get a second chance. Just ask Peter. When he saw Jesus on the shore, Peter got so excited he barely got his britches on before he jumped into the cold water of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus' restoration of Peter was more than enough. More than enough to cause this backwood Galilean to carry the gospel of second chances all the way to Rome where they killed him and his wife. If you wonder that you, uh, what would cause a man to be willing to be crucified upside down, maybe now you know. It's not every day that you find someone who will give you a second chance. Much less someone will give you a second chance every day of your life. But in Jesus, Peter found both. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we wake up to new grace and new mercies every morning. We wake up to second chances every morning because of your great grace. We ask you that we not fritter away that great grace. That we take full advantage of it and let it enliven our souls. Fill our vessels. Lord, we are clay pots. Just regular, ordinary clay pots. But with the glory of your presence inside, we can shine. We can shine forth the glory of your love. Help us, Lord. Give us to drink of your living water and help us shine that we may share our faith, share our joy, share our hope with everyone we meet this week. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings to you all. Let us be a generation of
movement shall cease. Let us share the love of Jesus without hypocrisy. Let mercy and forgiveness begin with you and me. Let us be the generation for reconciliation and peace. Have we not? Peace.